This podcast is produced by Unedited. Hi there. Welcome to the Black Magic Podcast, where we celebrate the achievements, beauty, power and resilience of British Black women. I'm your host, Anika Allen, and in each episode, I talk to guests about the challenges that they've overcome and their successes. Hopefully, something in their journey gives you a spark for your own magic. I'm really excited about today's episode. I'm speaking with a wonderful family, which is a first for the Black Magic podcast, as we've never had a family or even a man on the show. The family consists of mum, Pearl, dad, Erid, and daughter, Amara. 16 years ago, Amara was adopted by the couple, who are here today to tell us about their journey, adding an adopted child into their already established family. Let's meet the parents. My family was overrun with testosterone. <laughs> there was too many men <laughs> in my house. <laughs> so there was my husband and we had twin boys. And everything was about rugby football boots and well and I was like I want somebody to do hair and nails and be talking about makeup and stuff like that and they exactly they were just like this they're yawning and they're like whatever so I was just like no I need a little girl so um so I kept saying that kept he would have been happy with the two boys to be honest but I was like no it's not finished so So (laughs) so what made you get inside Erod how did she convince you I've always wanted to adopt. Um, from a very young age, I, I saw myself with a family with lots of different types of faces in it, so I've never had an issue with adopting. Um, we mentor lots of different young people who call us mum and dad, so having somebody live with us who called us mum and dad was was not a problem for me. It's interesting because sometimes within the black community there's um, can sometimes be a stigma around kind of adopting and things. Why do you think that mm-hmm. is? Yeah. Uh, I have a theory that our families look at the history of the black community, especially those that came from the Caribbean. My father came from a family of eight. Pearl's mum came from a family of 16. Mm. Having a big family is part of being a Caribbean. So (laughs) to, to then bring in somebody that wasn't from your family because you... Um, couldn't have a child. It's, it's, it's almost like a cultural disgrace. Mm. So it's, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. 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 And is that what it? If you don't mind, Pearl, is that what it was? Is, was it because you couldn't have any more children while you decided to adopt? Yeah. Yeah. So I had I had fibroids. So uh, my fibroids were pretty bad, and um, so every cycle, every month, it was just traumatic for me, and it and I had to make a decision of get rid of the fibroids, which would mean taking out the whole womb, or keep trying for my daughter. And I had to make that choice. And it was it was it was a big choice to be fair. Um and then I thought I have to get my life back because I can't have two weeks of every month where I'm just wrecked. You know, I can't do that. I need to get my life back. So then it was almost like the choice was made for me after a while. Fibroids is such an issue within um, the black community sure black women is. and things. And, yep. mm-hmm. and so many, so many people are going through it. And, and I guess it's good to know that adoption is an option. You know, you don't have to be going through, um, through feeling kind of that pain and, you know, feeling like how you were feeling at the time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not, it's not, it's not, uh, you, you kind of look at fibroids almost like the end of the world because you feel like, you know, my, 
as I keep saying, my, my, my womb and my heart would not cooperate with each other. Mm. And um, so it was a case of, do I do this? And if I do it, have I failed? You know, so then you have to go through all this kind of stuff, you know, have I failed? And then, and then you kind of have to tell yourself, no, you haven't, you know, it's just there are other options, you know, there are other things you can do. Oh my goodness. So, um, let's, let's talk about the adoption then. So if you don't mind, how old were you when you decided to adopt? How old were your sons? How old were you guys? If you don't mind, just. Oh gosh, how old were you? Oh, I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember that. The boys were. Ten. Well, there's nine years between them. This is how we can work out. There's nine years between them. And Mara came to us two days before her third yes, birthday. Yeah. So she was three. They were ten when when she came. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so minus minus ten. So they were seven. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, seven. Mass. Oh. <laughs> I remember them being in junior school. So they yeah. were. They were. I remember them in the uniform. So they were about second year junior school, as mm-hmm. I remember. So about eight years old. Mm-hmm. So how did you have the conversation with the boys about bringing a, bringing a sister into the family? The, the boys were part of the whole process. The adoption process included the whole family mm-hmm. and also included members of the extended family and friends. So the boys were, were interviewed alongside us. So they were, they were interviewed um, when we were interviewed. So they always knew that Mara was coming. They knew all about her. Mm-hmm. And how did they feel about it um, when you initially started speaking to them? Did they, did they understand what adoption was? Uh, there was no opposition to it, so I'm not quite sure they fully understood. But they um, they went the other way. Instead of uh, opposition to it, they they got excited because they were just like yeah, because they knew we would. They knew it was all about little girls, so they just thought to themselves, yeah, we could be big brothers, you know. And that's <laughs> yeah. how and they got Pierce, from day one. And yeah. Pierce particularly wanted to not turn Amari to his dolly, but he wanted to be the one that looked after her. Mm. So. And he's the old of the twins by about three minutes. Mm. So it's, it's always been yeah. fun they, with the families. They were whole. pretty excited from day one. Even from the concept of being a big brother, they just kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. So you started touching <laughs> on the actual adoption process. So can you talk me through that? If you, I mean, I've, I know it's a while now because how, how old is Amara now? She's 18 years old. Yeah, so it's a while ago. Next birthday should be 19. 19 next, next month. month. Amazing, yeah. amazing. <laughs> so it's a long time ago, but do you remember the process? Uh, yeah. I mean, I remember it being very long. I remember it being invasive. I remember us getting annoyed with social workers because they kept asking us the same questions in different ways. Um, but we appreciated that the reason they were doing this was simply because they needed to make sure that the family was right for the child. Mm-hmm. And the, the whole process, I don't know what it's like now, but the whole process was focused on the child. You, mm-hmm. It was made very clear yeah. that it's very nice to meet you, but this is not about you. This is about the child. Um, and all the courses that we went on about child development, about understanding adopted children, the psyche of adopted child were really, really useful and, mm. and helped in other areas of life, not just adoption, but just dealing with people at work. It, it helps um, a lot of the understanding that we received. Mm. So how did it sound like, obviously it was invasive, you had to do a lot of training. So how did you balance that with kind of, I guess, your work, your family life go, when going through this process? Well, I mean, it was just, it was booked into the diary, so it was quite easy to balance it. You just had to juggle sort of between work, 
between meetings, between church, between all the things, and you just kind of slotted it in. If they gave us enough warning, we could put them all in. But they just seem to be a lot of them, mm. <laughs> you know, over and over and over again. A lot but, of them that yeah. continued for a long time. Yeah. So how long did, did the process take for you? Well, the thing is, it, it when we first contacted them, they were really, really pleased that we had come forward and because we, they wanted they wanted more black couples to come forward. So they were really pleased. And then they, was, they said to us, oh, we're going to fast track you and this will take no longer than six months. We were like, oh, six months, that sounds good. Yeah. And then um, the whole Victoria Columbia thing then happened. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh, that all kicked off. And then there's all this inquiry business, da, 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 da. So everything they asked us, they came back and they asked us the same thing, different ways, three, four times, mm. which really stretched out the process. Mm. So what should have taken six months Took all, it took about two and a half years. Oh wow! Yeah, and that so it was it was much much longer than we had anticipated when we first started it. But then once we got going, we just thought, well, there's no Continuous. real point in stopping now because yeah. we're we're on this journey. We'll just keep going. But it just, I mean, for the timing and for the events that happened that we had no control over, um, it just kind of messed messed us up time wise. And I guess timing is everything because if you'd have gone, if you'd done the initial six months, then maybe Amara, Amara might never have been, been, probably wasn't born yet. So then it would have been exactly. <laughs> a different child. So, uh, all things work together for good. So I'm not fast at the Actually, end. when we started the process, yeah. Amara had just been born. So she'd just come in the world and that was 2002. So we started the process around then and she'd just been born. So right. it took two years to, yeah. to get there. But we don't know how long you know, where she would have been in the process and then where we would have been in the process and if we had been able to match her at that time. So it all, as far as I'm concerned, for us, it worked out perfectly. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about the matching process. How do they decide um, which child to match you with and how does that all work? Well, you kind of tell them what you feel you can, you can cope with and what would kind of make your family complete. So... I, I needed I needed a girl, so I wasn't interested in any boys. Um, I wanted as as young as possible. Um, 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 and what else? I wanted somebody. I wanted a child that was quite easygoing because I just had. I just thought, oh God, I can't imagine having a screamer all day, all night, and I something. And I, I think ah, one of I'm just like, oh God, have you got any? We'll all just sleep. <laughs> <laughs> one, one, one of the things we kind of stipulated is that we, could, we, we didn't feel that we could cope with somebody that had mental challenges, that had um, other issues mentally that we'd have to deal with because we didn't yeah. feel that we were equipped to deal with them. Yeah, we thought we'd not um, So we made a couple of stipulations, but generally there wasn't too many. Generally, no. Because they said, can you... Would you be able to cope if they had, you know, sort of mental issues or if they were disabled yeah. or this and that? And I just thought, I, we can't, we, we are not equipped to do anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like, we had twin and, boys. And we time. had twin boys and they were a handful. And I just thought, I need a girl, but I need one that's just going to just say, yes, mum. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep. <laughs> you know, they can't tell me there are none of these don't exist. They tell me these don't exist because every child that's in our care is here because they've come out of a traumatic situation. So I, but I was to ask her, God, you know what I need, you know, so give me, give me what I need. (laughs) And she is exactly what I needed. (laughs) Fantastic. So, um, so tell, well, 
before I, before you tell me about the first time you met Amara, did you specify the ethnicity of the child that you wanted as well? Can you do that? Um, they they would like to match a child yeah. that is close to their ethnicity. Um, so her her, 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 her she comes from she comes from a, a Caribbean background, but she's also she's also got some other. <laughs> She said, mixed up with some other things as well. And we we're just like, yeah, that's okay. We could do the Caribbean part. Yeah. We got that down pat. So, um, yeah, but I, I think it's actually important because as Amara's grown up, we've been able to discuss a common history. Yeah. So, um, there are, um, there's a Caribbean element. So we have taken our kids to the Caribbean many times, mm. introduced them to an environment which is very different to the UK, introduced them to people who live in an environment very different to the UK. And I think that helps mm. um, because when we were on the adoption course, one of the things that they were struggling with at the time was dealing with young people who had grown up, who had been born through um, test tube babies, whose fathers or mothers were donors. And the whole sense of identity mm. for mm-hmm. that group of people who were just being born was a big challenge for the social services. So I actually think that, being as close to the culture of the person that you can is a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, yeah no, I can definitely yeah. understand that. Thanks for um, sharing that. Um, so tell me about the first time that you met Amara. What was that like? Amazing. Okay, well, the first time we met her. Oh, yeah, because we did get a couple of visits before she came. We went, we went to French in Bristol yeah. to meet her at the uh, foster parents' home. Mm. And the foster parent had, I think it was two or three boys, mm-hmm. um, and they had a mirror. And we had to prepare a video and a, like a book, like a, a photo album mm-hmm. that we sent before um, so that they would take her through the pictures and the video. And then we met her for the first time in, in Bristol. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was just amazing. Uh, amazing experience. From a Christian perspective, my faith is really really important to me so i i really wanted to have someone who god had already ordained to be in our house because i just thought you know I'm, i can't conceive this is not a surprise to you god you know this is not a you're not going oh my gosh didn't see that coming you know you're not you're not sitting there kind of traumatized like oh no oh no you knew you knew all this beforehand so you knew who she is, where she is, how old she is, you know, you know everything. And so you know, you knew who, who was destined to be the little girl Jarrett in this house, you, you know, long before I knew I couldn't conceive. So, um, so I, I just thought, well, just, just direct me to the right person. So there was a whole series of things that happened before then, all kinds of things that kind of directed me and said, this is the one, there she is, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then, so when I walked in, when I walked in to um to to get her that day and met her, she walked up to me. And I walked up to her. And remember, she's two. Okay, she's two, and she says to me, "I've been waiting for you." A cold shiver went down my back, and 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 it was it was and I said to people, it was not I've been waiting for you since this morning. It's like I have been waiting for you. And I was just like, oh my God, okay, God, I got this, you know, just, all right. So it was such a, it was, as much as it was a lovely moment, it was a deeply spiritual moment. And that's what I remember about it all the time. It was just like, I say to people, we had an Amara-shaped hole 
in our family. And I just came and went, there you go. And just, and she slotted in and then was like, oh, the hole. And, and it was just like that, you know, she, and she completes us. To this day, she completes us. You don't choose the child that is, that is born naturally to you. They arrive and you figure out who they are. This child was chosen. So there's a different relationship that has to be maintained. And there are lots of horror stories that we were told during some of the courses mm, of people mm. who'd learnt that they were adopted when they became grandparents or when they went to get their first passport. I was fortunate, the company I worked at, as I was going through the process, the HR lady said to me, just let people know you're adopting. And as soon as I told people in the office, I I was amazed at people who had been in care. Mm. There was one lady who's still a friend of the family today who was adopted with her brother. Her brother has gone and found her birth family, but she's never done it. So the people around you who have gone through that experience and the impact it's had on their lives. So I would say always start openly and honestly yeah. and let the child know they're yeah. adopted. Yeah. As I said, the courses were very good in that it, 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 it helped you understand, yes, you're lovely people, you want to adopt a child, we're very grateful, but actually, and they said this to us, this has nothing to do with you, which was in a way quite painful to hear at the beginning. But as you went over time, you understood actually it's about the child and making sure that the child is in the right place, that Amara mm. had the right home mm. with the right support team around her for her to grow and be healthy. And that was the key. So yes, it's difficult. It's annoying for us as adoptive parents to go through it, but the reasons are good. Yeah. Sometimes they dropped off though, because it was like, so at one time they said that, um, oh, we don't know if we want to play so much. It's when we, it's when we uh, were going through the placement thing with, with Mara and um, they said, are we not sure if we want to play tomorrow with you because your family seemed to be high achievers. Mm-hmm. I mean, the boys were in private school at the time yeah. and then we were studying, I think we were doing our MBAs at the time. Yeah. And, and she said, oh, you're, you're, you're a family of high achievers. And, and we think if Amara comes, because the, the foster parents said Amara was slightly slow. So they says that, um, oh, it's slightly slow, Amara was slow. And they said, if we put place tomorrow with you, then um, we feel that you might put her under pressure to achieve. So I said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna force Amara into being an academic if she's not an academic. If she wants to do something creative, if she wants to paint, she wants to draw, she wants to dance. I said, I don't care if she wants to be a grass grower. I says, as long as she's the best grass grower that she can be, I'm good with that. And they was like, oh, are you sure, are you sure? I says, yes, I'm sure. And they came back again, but we've had to think, we're not, we still think, you know, you're high achievers. And I said, did you not hear what I said? <laughs> it's really, because we've always had kids around us, our boys, extended friends, we've seen lots of different children with lots of different abilities. And we've seen kids that you never thought would fly, fly. That's right. Simply because you support what they're good at. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, people have gone off and done computer programming. There's a young lady who's now become an architect who didn't know what she wanted to do. She would, should I be a doctor? Should I be an artist? Her parents said, don't be an artist. No money in being an artist. But she found a balance between her love of science and her love of art, and she became an architect, and she's really happy. Mm. So it's not really for us to choose. I mean, 
my parents' generation, you had to be a lawyer, a doctor, bank manager, a teacher, mm-hmm. or a nurse. But the reality is, if you if you support what a child loves, they will become greater. And that's the route we've taken. So we did with Mara exactly what we did with our own kids. So Mara came in, and they told me that she was slow. And after the whole two days of nappy, wetting the bed thing, I'm thinking, well, she's good. She takes instructions good. I'm like, let's try this. So I've got the flashcards. And I says, right, we're going to learn to read. So I said, I said, like, ah, apple. She's like, ah, but it's like, ball, like, duh. And we did this and we did this. And I kid you not, Amara was reading fluently in three weeks. She was reading books, whole books yeah. in three weeks. She was reading. She was, she was, so we, t- we started off with the tiny little books and then she went to bigger books and bigger. By the time she was four, she was reading books. If long before she went to school. The whole Fantastic Five, I think it was, uh, she read all of those. Yeah. Then we decided, okay, I used to buy books off Amazon, and then she'd read them in a day. Yeah, we couldn't buy them quickly. So then we discovered, we said, you know what, let's do the old We'll have to go to the library. Let's go to the library. Let's take out a series of books. And we used to go to the library with carrier bags. And she'd read all the books. And she'd read, she she started reading a book a day. And then we'd set the library and they'd go, you've read all of these already? And go, yes. So then when I look back and I think that you didn't want to place this child with us because we were high achievers and then we would, you know, we would be too too heavy on her. And I'm thinking, this child just needed an environment to fly. That's all she needed. Permission to fly. Permission. Okay, you can fly. Go, go, fly. And this is exactly what she's done. So we've met the parents, now let's hear from their daughter Mara, who was adopted by them 16 years ago, two days before her third birthday. I just always knew I was adopted. They told me right from the beginning, I think they said um, that this was my forever family. I think that's the term they used. So yeah, I just knew that. I knew in some kind of form that I was adopted and then obviously as I got older, we went into more detail. So I think I was fully aware of the whole backstory kind of situation by the time I was like seven. I moved three times before I was adopted, but I had one foster family. People, they either don't believe me or <laughs> they think I'm joking. Um, yeah, no, no one really believes me when I say it. It's when I like, I have to sit them down and be like, why, why would I joke about that? <laughs> and then they're like, oh wait, really? I think they're expecting both my parents to be white. <laughs> So they're like, but your parents are black, you can't be adopted. I'm like, no, that black people actually adopt. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm not sure if this was the first time I met them, but my earliest memory is going to um, Bristol or Bath or something. And they had these like hot air balloon festivals. And um, my whole family took me. So my mom, dad, my brothers... I think that was one of the first times because we used to do these outings before I actually got adopted. So that was one of the outings that we had. Kids in care are very much looked down upon. I think that's another reason why people don't believe me when I say that I've been in care because they think I'm not the stereotypical Tracy Beaker, for example. So I feel like it's just good to get a young child away from that whole situation to give them opportunities to give them love as well so that they can actually experience what a family's like and prepare them for like life, jobs, marriage, kids. I think always tell the child that they're adopted 
so that you can maintain that trust because I think um, when you're a child you need to be able to trust your parents but especially when they're your adopted parents because you need to have that trust with them to have that relationship with them so always tell them um, and always be willing to have the conversations with the child about their adoptive past about their biological family about the whole journey just to let them know that it's not something they need to be ashamed of it's not something that they need to hide but it's something that you can talk about together you can be proud of it but also be more appreciative of the fact that you've got adoptive parents so as you can see your gender relationship status ethnicity age or religion do not matter If you can love and care for a child, you can adopt. To find out more, visit www.youcanadopt.co.uk forward slash black adopters and begin your journey towards building your family. And catch every episode of the Black Magic Podcast by subscribing on Acast, Apple and all good podcast apps. Spread the word and share the magic. This podcast is produced by Unedited.